Welcome to the Pharma Forum podcast. Although recorded back in November, you're likely tuning in midway through the festive break. So, may this conversation provide pause and a momentary reprieve from the celebrations, refocusing the mind on how pharma and healthcare function, here specifically as pertains to the health tech market and its strengths as well as its weaknesses, and the importance of localization when exporting. Speaking with Keith Jackson, CEO of Brandon Medical, and Jonathan Evans, Director of Communications at the Association of British Health Tech Industries, our conversation dives into the UK market in this space when it comes to the taking of innovations elsewhere, with the overarching purpose, of course, of improving patient lives. When it comes to exports, what matters is an ongoing dialogue and a shift towards eventual, hopefully, regulatory harmonisation of sorts and the ever more necessary support of an increasingly ageing population on a global scale. Our discussion veritably travels the globe and traverses multiple topics, but hopefully it provides some insightful listening before switching off and returning to the winter festivities. Thank you for tuning in this holiday. This is web editor Nicole Raleigh, and today I have with me CEO of Brandon Medical, Keith Jackson, and with him, Jonathan Evans, Director of Communications at the Association of British Health Tech Industries, or ABHI. Welcome both. Thank you. Good morning. Great to be here. So the Department for Business and Trade, DBT's International Trade Week, or ITW, returned for a third consecutive year last week, providing a platform to help businesses of all shapes and sizes maximise their global potential. And speaking of global potential, in 2022, medicinal and pharmaceutical products exports were valued at £25.3 billion, accounting for 6% of all UK exports. And one such innovative business contributing to this export market is Brandon Medical. Based in West Yorkshire, it delivers smart turnkey equipment for acute and primary healthcare. So what we'll be discussing today is how Brandon Medical has spent over three years developing a strategic partnership in China and has now won regulatory approval to launch its award-winning surgical lights in a deal expected to reach more than £1 million in two years. Meanwhile, Jonathan, you're also on the podcast today because you provide a different voice and the ABHI supporting UK health tech innovation. Its members include both multinationals and SMEs, and it assists them with the provision of products from syringes to wound dressing, surgical robots to digitally enhanced technologies, representing the industry to stakeholders, including the government, NHS, and regulators. So to begin with, I'd rather explore how you both personally came to doing what you do now, humanise it a little, and then we can get into the industry aspect of things. Who wants to start? Over to you, Keith. You go first. Thank you. Um, yeah, I've been involved in international business development for more than 30 years. And, and I think um, the origins of that were that um, I'm passionate. I love travelling. And I love travelling, actually, because I like to meet different people. So those diverse cultures, different ways of thinking, diverse perspectives. I found that fascinating. Always have. So, yes, I mentioned been exporting um, and growing business internationally for 30 years. Brandon Medical been doing that for 30 years in more than 70 countries. So the products we design and manufacture here in Leeds uh, are taken to um, quite varied markets, actually, almost all over the world. Uh, and very soon, China. 
Um, but yes, international business is something I've been involved with for a long time. Thank you, Keith. And I, I actually, um, I studied journalism, Nicole. Oh. Um, so I'm <laughs> usually on your side of the uh, of the microphone. But uh, having did that, I've worked in sales and marketing and PR uh, pretty much since since graduating uh, a number of years ago now. Um, I joined, well, pr- prior to ABHI, I was working for a medical research charity, kind of fell into healthcare, really, as a lot of us, a lot of us do, um, but got the bug. Um, and then about six years ago, I joined the Association of British Health Tech Industries um, and have been been here ever since, heading up the communications function. So that's, as the name suggests, everything that you see and hear from us, uh, the, the look and feel of ABHI from the, the websites or social media and the messaging we put out, um, but fundamentally supporting companies with their, with their growth uh, and understanding the business landscape, of which it can be pretty tricky at times if we talk about regulation and procurement and all these fun topics. But fundamentally, it's a brilliant industry to be in. Uh, it's an industry that saves and enhances lives every day. And I see Keith nodding along, you know, it, it's a great industry and one that we should all be proud to be a part of. So uh, that's why I've, I joined and I've not left. Uh, it, I love it. Thank you for that. Yes, it is a, I don't want to use the word worthy, but it's a brilliant, purposeful industry in which to work. So let's think about that landscape. Let's think about it in the business context now. And can we provide for listeners a broad overview of the UK's healthcare or health market and its strengths and perhaps its weaknesses as it stands at the moment? Yeah, I mean, I could probably give a perhaps an overview and then maybe Keith might want to add some colour and perspective from actually being a manufacturer or technology. So um, (laughs) in the UK, the health technology sector, and and I, I use that term in its broadest sense, so manufacturers of med devices, diagnostics and digital health, uh, it is the largest employer in the broader life sciences. So if we think about the pharmaceutical sector as well, you look at employment figures of around about 130,000, uh, well over 4,000 companies, the majority of which are small, medium and towards the medium mess size uh, businesses. And then that's uh, turnover is around about 30 billion. And that's grown pretty consistently over the last 10 years at around four or 5%. So it's, it's a very healthy industry. It's highly skilled, well-paid jobs. And I think what's quite unique actually is the jobs are spread right across the country. It's not just Southeast and that kind of golden triangle that you see in other industries. There are real hubs. I mean, West Yorkshire, for example, a real strong pedigree in engineering and then the steel industry and things like that historically, but there's a real med tech hub there as well. Um, and so it's, it's, a, it's a real economic success story for the UK, I would say, but fundamentally what it does is critically important as well. You mentioned it at the top of this conversation from sticking plasters to the the reading glasses I'm using right now, perhaps one day you might have an x-ray or you may need a hip implant. Every one of us is going to use some health tech in our lives. And I think that's pretty cool to say as an industry that we will have a positive impact on everyone's life, no matter what you do. So I think that's that's why it's viewed as a strategically important uh, industry, both from an economic perspective, but also as as a partner to our National Health Service. And then there's obviously the export part of that, because the UK is worth about 3% of the global health tech market, which is not insignificant, but naturally other companies will be looking to take those innovations elsewhere. And perhaps Keith, you might want to comment on that. Yeah, I think I just um, amplify uh, the purpose, sense of purpose. I think um, there's a huge wealth of expertise in the UK, med tech, 
and, and I use medtech to define the whole breadth of life science, medical devices, medical equipment, diagnostics, digital health. There's a huge, it's a very broad church. But I think yeah, that health tech market is UK definitely punches well above its weight. And I think for my own personal experience, I think part of the rationale or the, the, the reasons why that might be true is what we also punch well above our weight in terms of our research um, impact. So acad- academically, and I think from that spills lots of new technologies that we can then deploy into improving healthcare and linking back with that purpose. It is about improving patients' lives. That is tremendously motivational. And I think my experience um, in other markets I've visited is there's still a high, the UK is still held in very high regard in terms of its innovation capability and in terms of the quality of its manufactured goods. So you put, and also the heritage as well. There's a lot of firsts in the UK in health, a lot, probably more so than many other countries. I, I could I would struggle to think of another country that has many healthcare firsts. So you put that together, it's a really potent brand, UK brand about what healthcare is in, in the UK. And actually, we can take that to other markets to help improve patients' lives all over the world. That's fantastic. That's really fantastic. Yeah, I think, I think what I was just going to add, I think what, what Keith's spoken about there is the um, the proximity that businesses and the academia and research community has to the world's largest single-payer health system in the UK. Mm. That connectivity and proximity, is it is unique, as Keith says. So I think that brand UK carries weight. And if you've got products that are, that are used and tested in the UK that you can then take to other markets, then that's going to stand you in really good stead. I'll say absolutely again. Definitely. So if we think about this UK as brand and quite a brand at that, if we now sort of tunnel down to brand and medical, what's the international demand for the kind of expertise that the company itself offers? I mean, brand and medical, as you said, Keith, has for over 75 years designed, manufactured, installed and serviced affordable medical equipment packages for operating theatres and critical care in over 70 countries worldwide. So Tell me more about the international demand for what it does. We, we certainly see, I certainly see uh, two strong drivers for growth, and they're not unique. Lots of small, medium-sized businesses use innovation and international business development as strong drivers for growth. Um, Brand and Medic have a fantastic track record of award-winning innovations, for the Queen's Award for our surgical lights, and also... Um, a fantastic track record as a cereal exporter. And we've won two Queen's Awards for international trade, so three in total. Um, that's impressive for a business this size. So there's definitely strong demand. The challenge is often finding the right channel partner in those markets um, because they're not all effective. And for markets, for the more significant markets, clearly there's a regulatory hurdle. So demonstrating your products are efficacious, safe, reliable, et cetera. And, and often a different set of requirements when you go to different markets. That's certainly true in China. So I think, yes, brand and medical's perspective, I think it's a strong driver for growth. Currently, approximately 50% of our sales come from outside the UK, and the UK is growing strongly. But there's massive opportunity to not just go to 70 markets, but actually to build traction in those markets, because mm-hmm. the kind of work we do tends to be on a project basis. So a new hospital or extending a hospital or refurbishing a hospital is a project. And once you've done your work, you might not be invited back for 10 years when they next need to upgrade or replace their equipment. So it can be a little bit sporadic. 
and mm. opportunistic and actually try to be more deliberate in terms of an international growth strategy and going to very deliberate new market entry where there's massive opportunity and there's probably no market bigger than China. And I have done this before because that's a real accelerator for growth. And there's very strong appetite in those markets for British brands, so quality, heritage, clinical data or clinical results, innovation. It's a really potent offer uh, to international markets. If you can do that at the right price point, of course, uh, different markets have different price points. So if we think about this deal at the moment with China, as you said, it's a significant growth market, China, and it's moving to support a large and aging population. So the distribution partner, GUM, a large state-owned enterprise that builds and runs hospitals all over China, perhaps you could tell me more about your work with that and the deal overall. This is with your surgical lights, isn't it? It is, yes. It's the surgical yeah. lights initially. It may extend to other products once we uh, begin to create sales and create some momentum. So the origins of this, uh, actually, the previous business that I ran as CEO, we very deliberately entered the Chinese market, uh, nurtured that relationship for five years or more, and it actually led to um, an acquisition by the Chinese partner. So we sold the business to the Chinese partner. That's a business called JRI Orthopedics in Sheffield. Now, having done it once before, doesn't make it any easier the second time around, but there's a lot of learning that you can bring. And, and the most important thing is finding the right partner. Um, so somebody who's aligned, has importantly similar values, and actually wants to achieve similar aims. So the relationship with GUM, uh, Genetech Universal Medical in Beijing, came about through introductions, which they often do. Um, so a curated introduction, very carefully nurtured, um, building the relationship. And unfortunately, then, just as we were starting to do that, along came COVID. So we couldn't travel. I couldn't travel to China for three years. So all of that was done by video. And all the regulatory approval that they supported us with was stop-start because of a series of lockdowns. And um, one thing that uh, listeners might not be fully aware of is that you have to test your product in China in an accredited laboratory. You can't rely upon tests you've already done in the UK. And if those, if those laboratories keep closing down because of lockdowns, that frustrates the process and extends the process. It's about three years it's taken. But we have got that approval now. This is a huge partner. And, and as you mentioned, Nicole, you know, they build hospitals, they run hospitals, and they equip hospitals with a wide range of different kinds of medical products. And what they were missing in their portfolio was operating theatre equipment. That's where Brandon Medical can add value. So we've been carefully nurturing that relationship and uh, I actually was in China in April for the first time in three years. We visited some hospitals under construction. We had lots of discussions about how we're going to promote the products to their hospital partners. And I'll be back again um, in December to visit. So we're now at a point where we do have the approvals and we can actually then start to equip hospitals with our surgical lights. So it's a really exciting time. Very exciting. And how did the Department for Business and Trade support Brandon Medical to secure this China deal? Um, I heard that there was an introduction to the head of medical devices at the British Embassy in Beijing. Well, as ever, I think these things are multifaceted and, and they're ongoing. So I think I've been involved with uh, DBT in its various guises, so DIT before and UKTI before that. For a number of years, in, in fact, um, going back to a previous experience, I was invited on to David Cameron's trade mission to China in 2013, which was transformational, not the trade mission itself, but in terms of sending a message to the Chinese market that, one, we were serious, and two, then contacts came to approach me about whether they could distribute our products rather than the other way around. 
So I've been on that journey for quite a while, and I've had lots of interactions over those years with colleagues in BBT, as it is now. And, and you're right, Nicole, there was an introduction to head of healthcare at the British Embassy. So that was a visit I made just before COVID, so late 2019, extremely helpful, and we're in regular contact. So I think it, it's a combination of insights, because the market's constantly changing, and it never changes faster anywhere else other than China. China, my goodness, it's so dynamic. So it's it's almost uh, every time you visit, you see something new. So understanding how that healthcare landscape is continually evolving, and it's evolved a lot in three years, um, is important. So it's those insights, it's the introductions, and also it's a bit of gravitas, it's a bit of you know support from the UK government that really helps to um, project a serious company with a with serious products to potential partners, and that's really helpful too. I'm sure Jonathan's has other experiences of other of, of ABHI members, for example. Those more about to ask, yes. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think what Keith detailed there is really critical. It's about those relationships in business, particularly for, you know, small, medium sized companies. I think getting getting to those those potential um, customers and working hand in hand saying, OK, I'm not going to tell you what you need. You tell me what you need. And we'll work. We'll work that way so that so that what we can provide is best suited for the patients you service. And I think unless you have that relationship, that dialogue, that ongoing dialogue, that's very difficult. And and so what you said there about going there recently and going again later this year, and then all these other support elements around it, like DBT, are are all part, jigsaws in a piece of puzzle that that help to to enable that. Why is this important? Well, this this is bringing innovations and quality technologies to patients in other markets, but it's driving jobs and investment back home as well. So this matters to us as, as taxpayers and, and, and citizens of the UK as well. So it's it, it's beneficial on, on multiple levels. And that's why export and, and in its broader sense is really important. Um, and so it's great to see the success of, of businesses like Brandon and the keys detailed uh, and long may it continue. Definitely. Thank you for that, Jonathan. So Thinking about this long, may it continue? Are there any projections from either of you, either on a sort of individual company-based brand medical projection for the future, or the other side of the coin, Jonathan? It's a good question. I think the UK is in quite an interesting position here in that we are um, now a, a, a sovereign nation. I, I suppose it's probably the most correct term for it in that we are um, free to, to, to negotiate trade deals and work on that global relationship. So I think you will see, uh, and, and the agreement in the, the CPTPP part of the world as well that was agreed, uh, I think earlier this year, that that's going to be an interesting region for us as a country, uh, as well as our ongoing relationships with the European Union and obviously looking looking west to the states as well. I know where DBT is doing a lot of work on a, on a state by state basis as well. Interestingly, you're seeing a trend globally on the regulatory front towards one of harmonisation, whereby standards and regulatory legislation is, is broadly similar. And so I think what we're seeing is, is that that degree of harmonisation, which I think will make trade and, and getting products approved safely and effectively and, and efficiently a, a little bit quicker, I think, in some of the big markets as well. So that's one to keep an eye out for. I know in the UK, the MHRA is doing a lot of work on that agenda as well. Um, elsewhere, I know a lot of countries are looking at the UK on the sustainability agenda. The NHS has become the world's first health service to, to, to really put its flag out there and say, hey, we're going to be the 
world's first net zero health service. Um, so we're speaking to a lot of our kind of uh, sister trade agencies in, in other uh, countries about that and, and how their countries might adopt some of these initiatives as well. So that's one to look out for. Um, but many of the healthcare challenges that we face are global challenges. You know, the world more broadly is, is aging. People are living with comorbidities. Um, there are challenges like AMR, for example, which again are not exclusive to the UK. So I think the future will be one of collaboration with one of hopefully easier trade uh, and one in which the UK can continue to excel. Thank you, Jonathan. Keith? Yeah, just building on a few of those things. And I think the aging population, um, if you're working in healthcare, is a positive because there's a stronger demand for not just more products, but better products. So that, that's really poignant and, po and positive. However, on the flip side, there aren't many places in the world where they've got more money to support an aging population. So that brings another um, challenge, which is doing that more cost effectively. So the cost effectiveness as well as the clinical efficaciousness is, is just as important these days. Um, and China, my goodness, not only has a huge population, but has an even bigger aging population problem. I think that there's a few things that, that are often overlooked when it comes to growing through export. And that is the what it, it actually brings huge opportunity for organizational learning. So any business that has done any kind of exporting, let alone one that's exported to 70 countries, as varied as those are, it, it develops your cultural fluency. It develops your agility. Different markets work at different rates, different speeds, and, and sometimes in an unpredictable way. I think it develops your product offer because you might have to adapt that product for local needs and local requirements. And it certainly affects your marketing approach as well. So there's lots of organizational learning that comes from exposing yourself to different markets than your home market. And I guess also, you're also then exposed to lots of diverse thinking from your channel partners, from uh, contacts that you might need. So that's really healthy. Diversity thinking fuels, it's a, it's a fuel for innovation. So that's something that's often overlooked. And I think it's not just increased sale, it's actually that is really powerful and really valuable to an organization. And, and I think in terms of dynamics, yes, aging population, lots of demand, particularly for high quality, innovative products. But on the flip side to that, what's also starting to emerge is the requirement for local content. So that's certainly a trend in China, but it's happening in other mm -hmm. markets too, which is not surprisingly, they want to encourage their own domestic medical device and medical equipment manufacturers. So that really leads you to have to partner with your, your um, distributor or your, your strategic partner in market in order to navigate through that local content requirement and actually work together, maybe work together in terms of co-development of product or co-manufacture of product. So not taking away all the hallmarks of quality that go with a British manufactured brand, but maybe actually just being more collaborative and finding different ways to present the product to market. So you meet those requirements, you satisfy that, that um, requirement, and also you can maybe actually have a flow the other direction, which is you might find more cost-effective supply chain partners for some components of your product and actually can flow back to the UK and help you to serve other markets more effectively as well. So yes, partnership, collaboration, uh, diversity of thinking, all really important elements of successful exporters. Wow, there's a lot to take in there, Keith. And as you say, working both ways, exporting and then taking components from the other side, perhaps. Thank you very much for your time both today. It's been a pleasure. Thank Thanks you. very much. I enjoyed it. Thank you. And so that concludes another episode of the Pharma Forum podcast. 
You can find out more information about this episode, including a download link and information about previous installments of the series at farmerforum.com forward slash podcasts. The Farmer Forum podcast is also available on iTunes, Spotify, Acast, Stitcher and Podbean, where you can find and subscribe by searching the Farmer Forum. Of course, don't forget to visit our website itself, where you can sign up for daily news and analysis bulletins, and follow us on Twitter, or X nowadays, at at That's all for now. Thank you for listening.